We're doing a series called Tools of the Trade. Kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. Really excited about what God's doing to stretch us, to encourage us, to spur us on to what he, what, what his perspective is and, and how he sees things and uh, help us shift a little bit from sometimes the ruts and the things that we get stuck in, our potential and our possibility and the, the things the way we see it versus the way he sees it. The, the series is, is really the little tagline there is naturally supernatural lives, trying to understand what God's calling us to as people out in the community out in the, in the streets, in our neighbourhoods. We use the word neighbour in an interesting way. We talk about it as our next-door neighbour. But Jesus used a, a bunch of different words. He used the world, he used the lost, and he used the word neighbour as well. And the question gets asked about who is my neighbour? And the example Jesus gives is very clearly the person in front of you is your neighbour. It's not necessarily the person who lives next door to you, but it's the person you interact with. It's the person that you engage with. And we've already heard testimonies and stories about the opportunities to engage with people. And you go, well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I be significant to my neighbor, to, to that person that needs to know Jesus and his love and his hope? And, and we've actually been equipped with tools to do that. And yet sometimes we can, we can feel like we don't have them. So we're just unpacking those tools. We're going to spend a bit of time each week just unpacking a few different tools that we've got in our arsenal. But it's really important to understand these tools. They're called spiritual gifts. And if you've hung around in churches for a while, the phrase gets used a bit. And sometimes it can get a bit distorted and a little bit too super spiritual sort of highfalutin stuff. But they're tools of the trade. They're tools to be used for building the kingdom. They're tools to be used for making a difference in the world. We talk about building the church, and these tools are for building the church. But as I said a few weeks ago, it's not for for a renovation of what's already there. It's about building an extension. It's about making the church bigger and and, and stronger and, and making the church all that God wants it to be. And so these are these tools are really significant. But we've got to understand with spiritual gifts that. Our capability is built around a bunch of different things. To start with, we've got natural abilities and personality and character. You know, Joel's a live wire. He'll, you know, dance on the dance floor and do all those things. Not my, not my thing, right? That's not my personality. So there's differences in that and there's fantastic things that come out of that. And we talk about natural abilities. You, some people are great runners or someone might be a, a really deep thinker or there's different things that come out of these, these natural abilities. It's kind of, it's in the DNA. On top of that, we have the surroundings of someone, the, the training and experiences that someone has. I often kind of chuckle when someone will say, oh, they're a gifted athlete. It's like, no, I suspect they've worked really, really hard to get where they are. They might have some natural ability but they didn't stop there. They actually put themselves into an environment and put a lot of work in to become the athlete that they are. They didn't just stumble across being an amazing basketballer or whatever they do. They actually worked really hard at it. And so you get, you know, like Emily, where's Emily? Playing on the piano. Brilliant, brilliant singing, amazing. At the same time, I dream of doing those things. But they come out of some amazing things because she probably has some natural ability but she's also been in an environment where there's lots of music in the home. Kind of handy, isn't it? So we get these two, two pieces together and you see some amazing fruit out of that. And that's talent. 
there's talent that comes out of these two areas. It's important to know that spiritual gifts is different to that. They all work together. They all complement each other and they're all part of our capability and our, our possibility, but they're actually something different to our natural abilities, our personality and character, our surroundings, training and experience. There's something different to that because they're what's called charisma, a gift of grace, something that's not deserved. It's interesting, we use the word charisma in two different ways and sometimes we can get confused that someone who is spiritual is someone who has a lot of dynamism, is very excitable and, and has a lot of energy. But it's, it's a different purpose of the word. Charisma is a word that means a gift of grace, something that was given that was undeserved. And so you see the, the talents come out of a place of something you've got and something that you've experienced or you've trained. But spiritual gifts about come out of a different place. There's something that is actually given to you. And it says that in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation, in other words, the the outworking of it, of the Spirit, is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, this is really important as a general concept, but it's specifically important in today's topic, and and it'll make a little bit more sense as we unpack it, because today we're looking at the leadership gifts, administration, leadership, and pastoring or shepherding. And we have these three terms in other places. We understand them to be directing others. We get that idea, that the idea of administration and leadership and pastoring is to direct others. But all three of them are also applied to business or organizational roles. They're also very much things that we apply to function, to roles. A pastor of a church is a pastor of title and of, of, of leadership, but it can very easily be a business leadership type of pastor, managing people. Or in business, again, that you can have administration and leadership and pastoral care as well in a functional role of running a business. And you can have natural talent in that. And you can work very hard and train and and learn to be a good leader, a good administrator, or a good pastor. That's not what we're talking about today. That's fantastic. And and you, you can work hard at that. But we've got to understand that these are gifts of the Spirit. These are charisma, gifts of grace. And so, unfortunately, when we have this idea of, uh, of a, a business mindset, we can get stuck with people's personalities. Oh, they're a good business person. Maybe they should be a good spiritual leader. Oh, that I'm not so good at administration. Therefore, I really shouldn't be stepping into this scenario. You know, I can do this because 
I've got some experience in this area. Yes, those three things work together. Yes, your talents and the gifts complement each other and together create your capacity, your potential, your possibility. But we've got to think about this a slightly different way because if we stop at just talent and don't understand that God gives gifts of grace, we actually very much limit what he wants to do in and through us. And this whole series is about understanding what God is able to do through you, through the Spirit. It's not about just working harder. It's about believing and trusting God's provision for you in your circumstances and your neighbor's circumstances, those people that you're interacting with. And for me, that's really, really exciting. So we've got, this, we've got these three things. The, these three things actually fit into the same uh, realm of, of leading, guiding, overseeing others. And what I've got is at one end we've got personal and at the other end organizational. This is just a bit of a spectrum to give you a, a picture of, of where these, these three gifts fit together. Because when, when you put those three things on the line, at one end you've got a, a pastor or a shepherd that looks at people at a more personal, intimate level, their well-being, their nurture, their care, their health, spiritually and, and in other ways too. And at the other end you've got administration, which is more about organization and structure and stuff. They all actually have the same core. but they're expressed in different ways. And this is what I want to capture in this spectrum. The whole spectrum of leadership gifts is about initiating the link between the big picture and the details. Initiating the link between the big picture and the details. And let me give you an example of that. We meet here, right? Why do we meet here? Joel told us before. What's the purpose of meeting here? Praise God. Yep. Anything else? Community, yep. Glorify him. There's, there's some big picture things, right? But you actually have to be able to have somewhere to sit, yeah? You've got to be able to hear what's going on. There's, there's a whole heap of, now they're at the administrative end of the spectrum, yeah? But you're people too. We've got to make sure that, that this is a space that's warm, that if we're going to build community, then it's got to be a space that's inviting. And welcoming is not an administrative task. Sophie doesn't get people to tick off whether you arrived or not to make sure, you know, attendance looks good. Or maybe she does. No? Oh. <laughs> At the other end of the spectrum is going, hang on, we want to make sure that the people are welcome here. That if we're going to build community, we've got to do it with people in mind. And all of a sudden, you've got all these details that fit into a big picture. And the role of leadership gifts is to initiate the link between them. Here's an example from Mark 14. This is Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. 
That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. A business has to solve why it exists. What are we going to sell that people want to buy? A business has to convince people to come and work for them and and give them a a motive to be there, an incentive to be there and inspire them to be part of the, the purpose. We've actually got that laid out for us on a platter. Jesus made it very clear what his what his vision, what his purpose is, what the what the role of the church is, what we're here for. Yeah? We don't have to invent that. But we do have to link the detail. Sometimes it's good detail, sometimes it's not so good detail. But we do have to link those things together. We do have to initiate to be able to get those details to link with the big picture. Does that make sense? Jesus does this all the time. You think about uh, throwing the, temples, uh, the, the, the tables over at the temple, right? That scenario, right? What's, what was the big picture there? Corruption. His house was a house of prayer and it wasn't, it was, the, the place was corrupt. So he saw that the house was a house of prayer and it, and it wasn't like it was meant to be. There was a massive gap. What were the logistics going on there? What was, what was the detail? The detail was a whole heap of people making a whole heap of money, manipulating a whole heap of other people who, were, who had to kind of fit, fit into the system. And so he initiated the link between those two things. What did he do as a leader? Led by the Spirit, he went and made a mess of the room. It's not always pretty. He initiated the link between all the detail and the mess of what was going on with the big picture. Does that make sense? It's, it's all over the place. Um, Peter at Pentecost, right? Holy Spirit comes down. There's a festival going on. People are confused about what they're seeing and going on. And Peter stands up and says, this isn't actually that confusing. Let me step in. Let me initiate. Again, led by the Holy Spirit, he went, there's a lot of things that you're seeing here that don't make sense. But I can point you to the big picture and I can link the big picture with all these details that are going on. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, he actually goes into that circumstance grieving that they don't have a leader. He grieves as because they were actually trying to get away. They, they were actually, you know, caught the boat to get away from the crowds and the crowds followed them. They came out, followed them around the shore to, to meet them where they were, chased them, thousands of them, leaderless. But they're also without food. They're also a long distance from home. Spiritually, administrative, Jesus has gone, this doesn't work. Pastorally, he's grieving for these people. And as a leader, he takes the initiative and links the big picture of hope, of of, of salvation, and links it to a whole bunch of practical things that are going on. There's a link between the big picture and all these details. And we have an amazing possibility of being that initiating link. The Holy Spirit has given us a tool, a a capacity to step into situations to be the link between the big picture and the detail. That's what this gift is about, or this, this set of gifts is about. Now, it's not always easy. There's a bunch of things that get in the way 
of this leadership gift. And the first one, which gets in the way of a lot of things, is pride. It's actually really hard to not get yourself into that position of linking the big picture with the detail and not make it feel like it's about you. Yeah? Woohoo! I'm the one that made it happen. Awesome. I initiated this. I, I created something that wasn't there. I was able to make, create change. I was able to create hope. I was able to help someone with their, with their stressful scenario. I was able to, to um, bring encouragement into someone's situation. That initiation makes you feel like you're pretty special. And this is another really, really important reason to know the difference between talents and gifts. The difference between talents and gifts is you didn't earn the gifts. They were a gracious gift. So when you exercise them, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. He's given you the gifts for a purpose, and he really wants you to use them, but it's not about you. We're building his kingdom, not ours. And if we're building his kingdom, then it's about him and what he's doing. And we're just serving with the gifts, tools he's given us to do what he's calling us to. The second one is frustration. It's really easy to get frustrated when you see the detail and you see the big picture and you step in and others don't get it. Anyone that's ever been in any leadership capacity knows how frustrating it is when people don't understand. It can also be frustrating when you're not in a position to step in and you you see it from a distance. On Thursday, we bought a car and I was at the dealership and I won't fill fill you in on the story, but there was multiple levels of incompetency in the process. It started with the first conversation I had with the salesperson who recorded my phone number wrong, my credit card details wrong, my address wrong, my wife's name wrong. Um, What else was there? Oh, my email address wrong. All were, were wrong, right? He got every single one of them wrong, which made it really hard for him to call me back when I left messages for three days in a row, which he was never available when I called two or three times a day for three days. And so obviously every time he tried to call me back, he had the wrong number. So he finally worked this out by uh, Friday a week ago and said, oh, looks like I've written a wrong number down here. So I'll correct that. To which the other people that needed to contact me, he didn't correct. So they couldn't contact me either. And we finally got to the day and, I, and we ended up sitting there for three hours trying to buy a car, which I thought that was their job, was to sell me a car. And I'm sitting there looking at their vision statement and their, uh, what were the other ones? Their values they had listed around the room. And I'm looking at them getting really frustrated, going, wow, the gap between what I'm experiencing and what I'm reading on this bit of paper is painful. I can see in the vision statement the big picture. I can see the big picture, but I can see in the detail a whole heap of things that don't match that. And so you look at that and, and stepping into this space can be really frustrating and you've got to be careful. You've got to be very careful and check yourself. I wasn't very careful and I did not check myself. And after three hours, my conversation with this guy wasn't very pleasant because I'd actually lost perspective, but there's this frustration when you step into a place or want to initiate and it doesn't all add up and doesn't fit together. So you've got to be careful about that. And the third part, which is really significant, is trying to please people and not God. 
Because so often we can be motivated by stepping into that link and, and going, I can see all the detail here, I can see the big picture there, and I step in for the wrong reasons. And when we try to please people, these gifts always get distorted. They get distorted. And you will know of all three of these, you'll probably have experiences of this being distorted when people have stepped into these spaces trying to do it to please people. And that's, that's, that's a real risk. I um, had an experience where, where I had two brothers-in-law and um, one had tried to give the other one some advice and it wasn't received very well. And they'd both come to me independently to share their frustration with the other. You can see all the detail and you can see the reconciliation that you want to get to. You know, that pastoral heart to say, I really want to see reconciliation here. But I can see all this messy detail in the circumstance. And I'm getting emails and phone calls with more detail and more detail and more detail, wanting reconciliation. And there's this part of me that, and, and this, this was a real lesson for me, because there's part of me that wants to, wants to make them feel good. And on the whole, that's pretty much what I did. I made both of them try to understand the other perspective and soften it and, and to, to water it down. But I was actually about pleasing people, not about pleasing God. My agenda was distorted in the reconciliation, and I never actually told either of them the truth. I actually watered down the truth to a point that made them both feel good and made them both amicable. But the truth was that both their perspectives were distorted and unhealthy and ungodly. And yet my desire to make them feel good, to step into that space and not, not serve God but to serve them, actually didn't help. It wasn't helpful. And it was a real lesson to me about stepping into this intentional space, wanting to do what God wants you to do, not what people want to do. It's about God's vision and God's provision. It's not about us. We want to have credibility and integrity. And when we think about this in, in our communities, in where we, where we minister, where we work, where we go to school, all those spaces, there is an opportunity for us to represent Christ's kingdom. And that requires initiative. That requires creating a link between the detail and the big picture. And in that space, I was wrestling with this this week going, okay, so what's the, what's the evangelistic side of this? Why does God want us to have these tools to make a difference in the world? I get it within here. You know, we, we need leadership. We need pastoral care. We need people with those gifts in the church. But what why does he want us to do that in the world? And I was reminded of that again this morning in my conversation with someone going, people are attracted to you because of the kingdom that you actually represent. When you step into those situations and you bring your spiritual gifts in that space, people go, there's something different there. I was in, a, 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 and this has happened to me four or five times, where I've been in a meeting, um, this time was in Australia Post, there was a room full of gurus, heads of departments and specialists, and they'd even brought in a couple of consultants in to try and solve this system that we were trying to build. 
And there's this moment where you go, all of a sudden I see all this detail that we've just spent an hour going through all the detail. And we know where we've got the big picture going. And you just have a sense that God's given you that link. And so in that space you, you say, I, I think we need to look at it this way. And sometimes, most of the time, it's just effort and labor and you're just working hard and coming up with a solution and mapping it out. And, but there's been, as I said, four or five specific times where I've gone, there's no confusion where this came from. The Holy Spirit has actually given me insight into the link here. And you go, well, that's just worldly stuff. Why would God want to help Australia Post solve their postcode distribution system? <laughs> like... Yes, people need to, you might not know this, but people actually need to buy databases of postcodes. But um, why, why does anyone care? Why, why does God care about that? And, and he may care, but what was significant in that place was that the, the place that I held in this room changed. All of a sudden, that initiation created a sense of credibility and integrity. And the guy that we were representing in the room actually asked that I'd come to the next meeting, the meeting after that. And I was able to build a relationship with him outside of that space because of the credibility that I showed in the meeting. So all of a sudden, we think compartmentally that God doesn't care about what Australia Post is doing with their postcodes. But the, the integrity and the leadership that I bring in that space or the spiritual insight that I bring in that space actually creates something significant for those people in the room. It's an opportunity to provide breakthrough, breakthrough in people's lives. And it's also an opportunity to demonstrate God's power. Often these gifts are used in, in, in mixes. So you might have a, a leader who's also quite prophetic or an administrator who, who has wisdom or, or a leader who has, who has faith that's able to bring those two things together. I guess what I'm saying this morning is that God has provided us with these leadership gifts to be intentional. And there's a very exciting opportunity that we have to step into spaces that we may feel intimidated about, that we may think that our, our talents don't add up, that our abilities aren't capable, that my personality isn't wired that way, that my experience says I, I maybe shouldn't be doing that. And if we lean on those things, we actually undermine the ability that God has to move. If we only rely on the things that we've experienced, the things that we're good at, the things that we have talents in, then we actually are not trusting God. Because when he says he's filled us with his spirit and enabled us to do these things, I want to believe him. I want to say, yes, he does that. I want to say, Yes, I can do things that I've never done before, empowered by the Spirit as He leads. I don't want to be limited by my experiences. I'll never do anything new. I don't want to be limited by my talents or else I'm not using the gifts that God's given me. There has to be a trust element in this. If there's no trust of God and His power and what He's given to us, then we're just working in our own strength. There was a circumstance where we were camping at the Mitchell River with some friends of ours, our two families. I'd never been there before. They'd been there many times. 
and we were upstream on this, this set of rocks that water was flowing down. And the kids were playing in the water and it was all awesome. We were just kind of looking around the area. We, we weren't planning to go for a swim, but the kids slowly got a little bit wetter and a little bit wetter. And it's like, well, shorts are wet now. I may as well pretend I've got bathers on. And we were just standing on the side and one of the other family's kids got caught into some strong water. And, um, and we sort of looked and chuckled a little bit as the water pulled them down a bit. It all looked perfectly fine. It would have been knee high. Like, it wasn't deep, right? So the thing was, it was knee high, but this knee high water actually forced him down into not knee high water. And he's now being swept down into a big, broad, wide, open area that is way over his head height. and. He's not incompetent in in water, but he's clearly not able to be swimming in this scenario. And so we're like, oh, looks like he needs some help. So his dad jumps in and uh, goes, okay, I'll go and grab him. This is all happening in like seconds, right? This is very practical, profoundly spiritual. Yeah, just I, I I want us to understand that these two things go together. The practical and the spiritual are both God's designs and they belong together. And Dad gets in trouble. He's out there struggling with his son. Both, neither can touch the bottom. And they're both now running out of energy. So I hand my keys and wallet to Tan, take off my shoes and jump in. And this is the amazing thing. I've never done this before and I've never done it since. But in that moment, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I knew exactly what I had to do. I use this as an example because it's nothing special. It's not about me. I wasn't the savior in the scenario, but profoundly, I was given instructions partly based on 30-year-old teaching in VicSwim, right, that I've never implemented for 30 years. Tell me, golly, spirit wasn't working there. I can't remember things that happened two days ago. Tan tells me something and I have no idea she told me, let alone something 30 years ago. But in that moment, I sent the dad away and I told the kid to face the other direction and to listen to me. And, and I got his attention and I got him onto his back and I pulled him to the shore and both of them, were, I was puffing and panning by that stage because the current was pretty strong. But I, I sat on the bank going, what just happened? How did, what, what just went on here? What happened in this scenario? Like this, we didn't plan this, it didn't happen. And my point is, if we only limit ourselves by what we're capable of doing and what we feel like we're, we're able to do and we don't trust God. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone just dives into the water and sees what happens, right? I had a, I had a pre- fairly clear indication that I, I needed to respond in this scenario and God met me in that space. There's a lot of people that, that die trying to save other people in the wrong circumstance. So please, please hear what I'm trying to say. But the, the point is very, very uh, relevant, and that is God is able to do more than we can hope or imagine. And if we, we only trust ourselves, the benchmark's not very high. We've got to have a trust that's greater than that. I've decided to start coaching my son's basketball team. It came out of a frustration with recognizing these kids are not getting good coaching. They're getting well-meaning people that encourage them to run up and down the court, but they have no idea about basketball. It makes sense that someone t- coaching the basketball team actually 
knows at least something about basketball. But in it, God went, you can see all the detail, great, well-meaning parents, kids that want to enjoy themselves, you know, structure and organization and things going on. There's a lot of detail in there, good things, not so good things. You can see the big picture. What are you going to do about it? You can sit there for the whole season and whinge on the sideline, or you can actually step into this space and make a difference. And as I was thinking about that and, and thinking that it's probably a good idea, I go, actually, it's kind of like discipling, isn't it? I could treat this like a basketball team, or, or I could treat these kids like kids that God loves and values and wants to see grow and nourished and lifted up and encouraged and, and know his love and purpose and intention. I was looking at it from the wrong angle. God goes, you can do so much more than teach them some basketball skills. I can do so many more things through you if you stand alongside them. I can, I can even get you maybe to encourage their parents or get alongside them too. If you just look at your capacity, yeah, sure, you'll teach them how to shoot the ball a bit better. Good on you. But if you look with my eyes, you'll see these people in a different way. And that intentional link that you create is a different one than you imagined. And that intentional link is not about you. It's not about how amazing you are and how, how awesome you are. And the guys that play basketball with me know that. that you, you know, that's, that's got nothing to do with it. It's about what I'm capable of doing and what I want to do in your scenarios. And that's the perspective that we've got to have when we come to these spiritual gifts and to our weeks. I talked two weeks ago about kairos moments, times when God wants to interrupt and we've got to be, have our eyes open. And this week, I really, really encourage you. I want you to pray and say, God, open my eyes to an opportunity for me to initiate a link. Where I see the messy detail and the big picture, God, I'm ready to go. I'm chomping at the bit. I want to be in there. If you tell me to go, I want to be there. I want to be in that position. I want to be in that spot. I don't want to go without you. I want to do it in your power and your strength and your leading. I don't want to just go in and be Mr. Fix-It because that's about me. That's not about the situation. Guys, particularly you, you're not Mr. Fix-It. But if God's prompting you and saying that you can have something to do here, I want to be there. I want to be chomping at the bit. I want those Kairos moments and God, I want to use this gift. I want to use the gift. It says eagerly seek the gifts. Say, God, I want to use your gifts. Someone gave me a, uh, a Bible passage this morning that fits so well into this. It says in Isaiah 43, verse 18, this was, this was, they, they felt this was for Catalyst, and I agree with them. Just soak on this. It, it's relevant to the, the message, but it's bigger than that too, yeah? Isaiah 43, 18 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's God's perspective. That's God's idea of what he sees the neighbours that you meet with, the people in your world, in your space, the lost, the hopeless, the aimless, the hurting, the broken. He sees an opportunity to bring springs into the deserts, into the wastelands, into places that, that look to our eyes like they're hopeless. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? He hasn't given us those gifts just to meander around going, yeah, what can I feel good about here? He's gone, be intentional, be purposed, 
step in with intention. Next week, and each week as we go through these, what we're going to do is we're going to start by saying, how did you go with the last week? How did you go with leadership gifts? Administration, managing some stuff, pastoral care, more about the well-being of people, finding the links between the, the mess and the details and the big picture. And leadership sort of sits in the middle of the two. Do you want to take up the challenge this week? Do you want to use the gifts God's given you with intention and purpose? Is that something that you desire or something you go, maybe I should? I guess if God's given me some gifts, I better get it out. I really, really want to come next week and have a sense of anticipation because I know if we trust God in this, this week you will have and I will have amazing experiences that we maybe can't even explain. but will be a reflection on God's goodness, on his faithfulness, and we will perceive what he's doing and what his intentions are. So I'd love next week if everyone here came in and said, I've just got one story to tell. It's all right. We're not going to go through every one of them. But, but if, if we start today saying, I want to come next week with a story of something that God surprised me with, where I stepped into a situation and I initiated a link, I took initiative, not because of my personality, not because of my talents, but because I wanted to see God move in and through me, and I wanted to step out and be obedient in it. What do you reckon? Worth trying? Let's test these things. If he said he's given us gifts, let's test them. Let's test them. Let's encourage each other with this stuff. Let's pursue everything that God's given us. Use everything in the toolbox. And then next week we'll unpack something else and we'll go, let's go out and let's, let's test these, these gifts. Let's test these tools that we've got. Let's pray. God, I love how generous you are. I love how generous you are to us and you're so gracious too. Lord, you've given us and equipped us with amazing things to do amazing things. And yet sometimes we leave them nice and polished in the toolbox. Father, I pray that this week that would change. Father, for me, for us, for our circumstances, I pray, Lord, that you would help us step in to initiate the link between the detail, the mess, the rubbish, the challenges, and the big picture that you have set before us. Lord, I thank you so much for the so many circumstances that we each find ourselves in. Lord, this room alone would impact hundreds and hundreds of people this week. And Lord, we don't want to impact them in insignificant ways. We want to impact them in God ways, in your ways. So Father, we pray that you would give us boldness. We pray that you would give us the courage and the discernment and the ears to hear, the hearts to feel, to understand what you are saying and to step into obedience into those things. Father, we want to come back next week with amazing stories of what you sent us out to do, just like your disciples in the Gospels who were sent out and came back amazed by what they got to do. Lord, we want that to be us this week. Lord, we don't want it to be just somebody else. Lord, we want that to be my story. Father, help that to be true for each of us, Lord God, and for our weakness, for our hesitation, 
for our limitations, Lord God. We, we thank you for your mercy and grace. But we say, Lord, bring it on. Bring it on for us this day, this week. And we just thank you in anticipation because you are a God of hope.